Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Hope everyone has had a great week, great weekend. Uh, everyone's Hope everyone's staying warm and cozy. It's been pretty cold here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, but it's warming up a little bit. Spring's around the corner. Maybe. Uh, This has been a big week. We have a big show for you. Of course, February rolls on with a billion game releases. We'll talk about those. I'll get you caught up with all the top stories of the week. But first, we're going to talk about that Nintendo Direct because it was massive. It kind of came out of nowhere and it involved some major announcements. I sat down with news editor Imran Khan to talk all about it. This week's surprise Nintendo Direct came in super hot, and boy, it turned out to be a barn burner. And with me to talk about it is our very own news editor, Imran Khan. Hello, Imran. Hello, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. This was uh, this was a bit of a surprise. We knew we heard like a rumor that we'd get a Direct this week, kind of early in the week. And I don't know. I didn't have a lot of expectations about this one, and they kind of they kind of like just did straight up bangers for 40 minutes yeah like nintendo's always like a little quiet and then they'll just sort of come out with a direct and usually you can tell by the direct lead time how important they think it is so like (laughs) one day not that important two days very important and this was only a one day so i was like okay this is just gonna be like a standard hey we've got like you know a couple of games in the next six months let's talk about them turns out i i feel like this is the everything that was delayed in 2020 or 2021 is coming out in the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's what it feels like. They're jamming a lot in, in this mm-hmm. first half. Um, I want to start with the very end, which is a game that uh, you've reported on before and kind of, kind of Babe Ruth pointed to the stands about a lot of these details that we got for Xenoblade Chronicles three, which was the last thing that they showed. Uh, what, what do we know now that we maybe didn't know when you wrote your report? Uh, uh, the things we, so when I wrote my report, the only thing I really knew was like, oh, it takes place a couple of, a a long time after the Xenoblade 2, it ties the two games together. Uh, and that's kind of it. That was just basically what I was told based on what people, like the people involved in development have told me. Yeah. Uh, they, one thing I appreciate is that as soon as the trailer was over, uh, Takahashi just straight up went, Hey, yeah, this is a sequel to Xenoblade 1 and 2 straight up just confirming my report, which is great. That's great. We'd let Takahashi do that more often. Thank you. Yes. Uh, But like also we now know what the 
new character designs. So yes. one of the biggest complaints about Xenoblade 2 was just the awful, inconsistent character designs because they had a bunch of character designers on it, including like Nomura and other people. Uh-huh. Uh, also, it's, as a sequel to 1 and 2, it actually features seemingly, uh, I, I haven't like analyzed the trailer that much, seemingly places from 1 and 2. And yep. like the actual uh, key, key art image is both the Mechanis and mm-hmm. a one of the like large beasts from Xenoblade from 2, whose two. names I've forgotten, like kind of frozen in the distance. Yeah. So like it does seem like this is straight up them saying, yeah, this is those both games together. This is not just one of them. This we're not just kind of lightly touching on it like uh like a Astrobot kind of thing with some references. These this is a straight up sequel to both those titles. Yeah. Because I I mean, I guess light spoilers for Xenoblade one and two, but they take place in kind of parallel universes is what we've, you know, kind of come to understand. And now it looks like they're just mashing those things together, like a chocolate peanut butter delight or something. Um, And I think I saw the Monado, I think. Yeah. I I think some people like have been actually going through it, like trying to analyze those like, scene by scene in the trailer. Yeah. I don't understand a lot of it because I never finished it away too. But yeah. there is there are people saying like, oh, this is the thing with future connected. That X this person is clearly Melia. This person's clearly Nia. This person's yeah. like, you know, that sort of thing. And like I saw some people saying that the one of the voice lines is very clearly Rex, but it seems to change mid sentence to some uh-huh. other voice actor. Yeah. So like that's a very weird thing if that's the case or just people overanalyzing, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, um, and a lot of bad British accents in the trailer. Um, yeah, it, it, like some real Natal level uh, yeah. British accents. Yeah, if you want to go to fanbyte.cost, we've already had a few people uh, congratulate Natalie on our Discord for having a better accent than uh, the folks who uh, did Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is very rude, but it's yeah. true. This um, is what Natalie went to England for was she was still recording <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Oh my god. That would be so great. <laughs> that would be amazing if we just cold, we just dead ass play a game one day and we're like, is that Natalie doing a terrible British accent in this video game? God, that'd be so good. <laughs> um, well, okay, let's go all the way back to the beginning because we, we it had been a long time, I feel like, since we uh, had heard anything from the Fire Emblem franchise. So it's not a super big shock that uh, a game was announced. It's Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. It's a Musuo game, uh, and it's out June twenty fourth. How did that look to you? Uh, so I, I really liked Hyrule Warriors. Sure. I, I like a lot of Musuo games. I really, really liked Hyrule Warriors. Age of Calamity was a little disappointing to me because it just ran real, real badly. Yeah. Uh, watching this trailer more than once, you can see they cut around the parts where it was going to run really, really badly. Yeah. So I. I like the look of it. I really do want to play it. And I like the idea of like, this essentially seeming to be like a golden path, like a one, the, the actual real, maybe not canon is not the right word, but a, a path where everyone is not at war with each other, but seemingly mm. has a greater evil to fight. And like that looks cool, but man, I, I know this game is just going to run bad. Like I look at the fidelity <laughs> of it. I'm like, this is not going to run well. And this is going to be like, it's going to be Age of Calamity all over again. So I am excited. I am excited for this game. I'm excited, like, for more Fire Emblem. I'm excited to listen to Three Huzzas music while, like, pl- fighting a bunch of soldiers. But Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm suspicious as well. Yeah. I um It, I, it may not run well. I'm also very curious about... I mean, I guess we, we've had Fire Emblem uh, Musou games before. Um, did... did 
older games also include kind of relationship building like the core titles or do they just kind of eschew that completely? Uh, my recollection of Fire Emblem Warriors, which keep in mind that game came out a week before Mario Odyssey, uh-huh, so I didn't play yeah. a ton of it. <laughs> uh, but my recollection was you got like some companionship experience when you put people in teams together, but it wasn't like a big thing. But that game was okay. also like one, like I said, it came out a week before Mario Odyssey. It was also a weird vector for DLC in a way that did not make a whole lot of sense. Mm. Like there were... There were characters in the main story that weren't playable until you get bought the DLC, which I thought was just absolute bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that is bullshit. Uh, all right. So we, 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 let's, let's go through some of the earlier stuff. Uh, Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. That's going to be April 8th. Uh, yeah. That got delayed from December, and now we have a date for that. Um, I like those original games a lot. I'm excited about this. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, but it, it yeah, looks good. They, they cleaned up the graphics a little bit, so it, like the, yeah. the things look a little bit more like the battle sequences look a bit more like toys now. Yeah. So I think that was the that was the cause of the delay was just them saying they probably didn't scope an actual graphical overhaul in there, but they just made it look a little bit more like toys, which I think works better for it. Sixty yeah. bucks is still a tall ask for that game, and I think that's <laughs> going to be the main thing, like keeping it down. But you know, maybe this is prepping advanced wars for a new thing. Who yeah. Can say? Yeah, who knows? Uh, it'd be nice to see them just do something brand new with that. But yeah, those those GBA games will be fun to revisit. Um, maybe the I mean, I won't say the biggest surprise because there are some big surprises in this in this whole thing. But um, I was pretty shocked about No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is coming to Switch and it looks like it's not like a it's not like a cloud version. It's just like a, a version that they're running on the Switch. Yeah, like. One, it's probably the best comeback story in all of games. Oh my gosh, yeah. No Man's Sky went from a thing literally everybody clowned on and like a lot of people were, I would say, even justifiably mad about. And then is now like, here's just one of the best tech showcases in terms of like uh, the way this content creation and uh, the way they improved on the actual base game over the years that like I've literally ever seen. And now it's just, on Switch, it doesn't look that different from the PS4 version. Like, Resolution's clearly taken a hit, but I'm so glad this is not a cloud game. I joked about this somewhere, and I don't remember if it was on 99 Potions or or where, but um, give give Sean Murray and the Hello Games people all the money that the Star Citizen people are getting. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that, like, like, that's what I want, because I, I, I think... After the PR marketing disaster that was No Man's Sky's launch, I mean, I think that was a lot of of bad marketing around what that game was going to be, and and some of that was obviously Hello Games' fault, but some of that was just also the way that this industry runs with some stuff sometimes. But it's like, yeah, you're right. It is an incredible story. They took this thing that everyone kind of, uh, I, I want to say, almost projected their i you know their ideals onto over the years. And they turned it into that. It is this kind of very uh, unbelievably endlessly deep thing that it's not just about getting to the center of the universe. It's about doing a ton of other stuff in this like really cool world. Um, And I can play it in bed now. Like, Mm. that's cool. Um, I've I've never been like a huge No Man's Sky fan, but like, honestly, maybe like this might be one of the situations where like, what if I just bought this and just played it handheld sometimes? Yeah. For someone who just never plays handheld games, like this seems like a reasonable handheld uh, you, you're, option. 
you can play that game in these short little bursts. Like you can do, you know, you auto save every single time you get in your ship. Like there are things that you can do in this game that are rel- relatively quick. And I'm kind of surprised that it's, I mean, I'm not surprised, but it's like, it, it's, it's kind of like, Oh, now that I see it's happening, it makes total sense. And, uh, looks like they're, you know, the switch will beat. Um, well, I don't know. When is this coming out? Uh, do we do we actually get the date on that? I'm not sure we did. I don't. I did not note it, so I'm not positive. I don't. I don't think. Uh, no man, Sky. I'm gonna just. Go, I love live Google searches. It's just really, really good and professional to do that release date. <laughs> it just summer. says just says mid 2022. So all right. Yeah. So whatever. By 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 mid summer or something. You'll be able to play it handheld no matter what you have. If you have a uh, uh, a Steam uh, Steam Deck, if you have a Nintendo Switch, you'll be able to play it, which is very exciting. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Mario Strikers is back. Uh, as a sports game fan who thinks that the Mario sports sub-genre has uh, peaked with the Mario Strikers on the, the Wii, um, we have Mario Strikers Battle League. It just comes out on June 10th. Yeah. This looked pretty that, cool. They didn't act straight up say it's next level games, but I have to assume it's next level games because this fits the cadence of their development schedule. Like, usually they don't take more than yeah. three years on any given game. Like, this this looks really good. I really yeah. like, like, even as someone who just, you know, casually played Strikers here and there, I really, really love the fact that those hyper strike moves that make the game look like the concept art. Cause yeah. everyone remembers the concept art. Everyone remembers like Badonka Donk Daisy. Like, <laughs> but like, I really actually love that. If you put the whole game in that style, maybe a little overwhelming, but I, I, I would play it. I would really like to see that. This yeah. is a, I think it's very interesting. They're doing four V four online. I think yeah. it's at least four V four local for sure. But like that's yeah. gonna be chaotic. That, that'll be super chaotic. They also announced something called, uh, it's like online clubs. So like you can basically join uh, a league with other players online and basically play through the games and stuff. It's a little bit like, uh, like other sports franchises do like Madden and FIFA. Like you can do that stuff with these, uh, with these bigger simulation sports franchises. And like the weird thing about, and not to get too deep into my shit about Mario strikers, but it's one of the only Mario sports games that I would say is actually like balanced and like calibrated for competitive play. I feel like, like mm. it is still an arcadey ridiculous game, but there are, there are very, very realistic competitive elements to it. So I'm actually very, very excited about this. Um, yeah. I did cool. notice they, they kind of toned down. So the story I always heard is that the last Mario Strikers was the game that made Nintendo go, okay, we need like a Bible for Mario. Yeah. Which you can and <laughs> yeah. cannot do. Uh, <laughs> and like, it was like the Wario crotch chops and like, yes. again, the, the Daisy ass thing and stuff like that that made nintendo kind of pull back on it they've clearly kind of pulled back a little bit on this yeah. but not so much that it completely loses identity it still looks like a violent soccer game yeah. but like that's they're not gonna see wario do the dx the dx shop yeah i got two words yeah. for you wow wow um <laughs> but uh i also i'm realizing now that i don't think i saw the waluigi in that trailer uh i don't think so either yeah Oh no! I'm sh- the, I'm sure he. Nintendo's turned on my boy. 
Uh, no, I'm sure he's in it too. Uh, but Waluigi's also at the center of a lot of those Mario Bible discussions. I feel I, like I'm I'm a hun- I'm sure because like they they've toned down <laughs> Waluigi over the years too. Yeah, like he's the, he he kind of went from like a very uh, incendiary, I guess, in personality to uh-huh. just kind of no personality, uh-huh. very fast. Yeah, extremely fast. Water, water. They watered my boy down. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, I am not a Splatoon person, but they did show off some more Splatoon 3 uh, stuff uh, that with a lot of bosses. Um, it's kind of like the Salmon Run from Splatoon 2. Uh, are you a Splatoon player? I can't remember. I really liked playing Splatoon 1. Okay. Uh, 2 was a, like, I think 2 was actually just straight up came out when I started play, or working at Game Informers. I just had no time for it. Yeah. Uh, I need to go back and play that single player at some point. I did like Salmon Run when I could play it, which is a caveat that you would not think uh, is that important, uh-huh. but it was a big problem for that game. Yeah, because it was only on for specific hours, right? Right. The, oh it, it, like, it's a horde mode that they wanted people to be available for, so uh-huh. they went like, okay, it's only available from 12 to 4 on this Saturday or whatever. Jeez. And I get the idea. I get what they were going for, but it made it impossible to play unless you were like online and available during those hours. Wow. Um, yeah, well, this game looks impressive. I, uh, I still, I still am wondering how well it's going to run because the the graphics do look very cool. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, uh, yeah, if you're into Splatoon, um, yeah, that comes out this summer. So we don't have to wait too long. Um, I have to imagine like it's been the last two games ran at 60 frames per second, I think. So like that feels like a thing they commit to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does to me too. Um, yeah, they seem to, they, they seem to have their competitive, uh, calibrations pretty tight with that game. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, front mission, which is, uh, uh, old school PS one, uh, square Enix game. That's getting a uh, remade as front mission first, which was kind of a huge announcement. Yeah. That, so like a year ago, Forever Entertainment signed a deal with Square Enix for like two remakes, and the joke I'd been making with friends is like, "Oh no, it's going to be Chrono Trigger." Like, the, Forever <laughs> Entertainment doesn't make good remakes, right? Like, they make they don't. Yeah, well, they made uh, Panzer they, Dragoon. They did the Panzer Dragoon was, one, which was bad. Yeah, that like that thing was so weird. Like the cursor is just always in front of the dragon, which is the thing that I feel like you could just easily not do. Yeah, somebody at some point should have been like, "Hey, this is bad." Uh, but yeah, like. When they signed the Square Enix deal, I was really worried. This doesn't look bad. This looks fine. It looks like a remake of Front Mission. Yeah. I mean, I I have to imagine the budget will be there for this because it's Square Enix and it's like it's, I don't know, it's it's kind of a big deal. But yeah, it's like it's fairly niche. Like a lot of people talk about these games from, and they're also making front mission two as well later down the line. Uh, it was announced. So it's like these, these games are cool. I'm just kind of surprised that they're being unearthed, but I'm, I'm happy. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Considering what Square Enix has been doing with front missions since like yeah. in the last couple of years, at least this is better than nothing. Yeah. And also yeah. better than that one game who I literally have forgotten the name of, and I cannot Google it. Cause like I tried <laughs> to Google it. I was like, Wait, what the <laughs> fuck was that game? Like, do you, you remember what I'm talking about, right? That Metal Gear kind of thing they were yeah. made? Yeah. Someone, I think someone posted about it. What was it called? Like, like Left Left Alive or something? 
Left Alive makes sense. I remember being like in a demo for that game where they wouldn't let us play, which should have been a red flag. Uh, and I'd be like, this looks really cool. This looks very exciting. I'm, I'd be down for like a new Metal Gear style game and it just sucked. It like, it just outright sucked. I said about very few games, but like it was a game that is not only not finished, it is not thought out in any way. It is Left Alive. I have confirmed this. It's, uh, okay. yeah, it, it, the the box art is just Metal Gear Solid art. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, they like, they got Shinkawa for the arts. So they're like, oh yeah, yep. they know what they're doing. They yeah. But it was like, oh, you you spent your entire budget on Shinkawa, huh? Uh huh. Yep. 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 And it <laughs> got quote generally unfavorable reviews. A Metacritic <laughs> forty out of a hundred. Holy smokes! Yeah. yeah. So this in, is in game this score is terms. One. That's real bad. And that art though is fire. Really. Yeah. I mean, go look up the box art for Left Alive. It's it's it looks really good. Um. It does look like Grand, uh, Grand Theft Auto. What am I saying? <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. So um, maybe my favorite announcement personally uh, is the Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition. It's an HD remaster of the PlayStation Classic. Came out in 2000. We have a 99 Potions episode. It's a very early episode. I think it's episode 10 of that show. So if you want to go listen to a few of us talk about that game, uh, we'll probably talk about it again uh, at some point. But they're also packaging it with Radical Dreamers, which is a Satellaview uh, game. Yeah. Yeah. So the Chrono Cross remaster, not like a you know particularly well-guarded secret, like right. between... The rumors and the another Eden crossover, it seemed very obvious this is coming. They're doing the radical, something. Yeah, the Radical Dreamers thing, that's the thing that like completely blew my mind, was I I don't I don't know if you've ever played that game, John. I, I have. A, okay, I played a translated ROM like years and years ago. It's neat. It's not like mind-blowing. It is not like the best thing ever. If you're a Chrono Trigger no. fan, it's still not going to be like the Chrono Trigger sequel you desperately want. Mm-hmm. But it does like... It ties in things that even Chrono Cross does not necessarily commit to, like the stuff about Gil being Magus, which is very obvious in Chrono Cross, but never really talked about in any way. Right, sure. And like it in that way, it's very cool. I never thought we'd ever get an official translation. I figured that thing was just locked away. No yeah. one is ever going to touch it. It's also just really weird in some places. Like one yes. of the one of the endings is Surge and Link's fight over the big bridge from Chrono Trigger, where the where you cross to fight mm-hmm. Nexus's army. Yep. In mechs. And like, it's really cool, but also I didn't expect anybody would ever play that. So like I I'm probably going to buy this. Just yeah. because one, I love Chrono Cross, and two, I want to play an official localization of Radical Dreamers. Yeah. And also, I've seen people complain about the like the quality of the HD remaster, but they yeah. did make one announcement that gets me really on board and I want to encourage that you can choose fonts in this game. You yeah. can choose between the HD font and the pixel font. And like, obviously I'm going to choose the pixel font because the HD font always it looks terrible. It looks like ass. It is terrible. Yeah. So um, I, I'm glad they, they're doing that now and they could, they should do that whenever they port Final Fantasy pixel remaster out there somewhere too. Yeah, I mean, I hope this is a precedent, right? Like the first instance of this happening, and it just always happens. Because um, those pixel remasters are—you you could basically you can basically dig into the bones of that game and change the font, and it's not super hard to do that. But you should just be able to choose your font because whatever whoever's in charge of that, I would love to talk to that person that decided what 15 years ago or whatever that whenever they do this shit, it's just going to look so bad. Um, I have to and assume like there's marketing research or focus groups that are like, oh, this this stuff looks too old. I want the 
I want the one that looks like a phone thing. Yeah, except the dissonance. The dissonance is so bad. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's rough. But I'm super excited about this game. Uh, it also says it is an enhanced soundtrack, which I'm actually a little bit scared about because yes. that is already a perfect soundtrack. I don't want them to really change a thing about it. <laughs> Yeah, I like when they said the words enhanced soundtrack, I have to assume what they mean is we're getting the actual masters and like yeah. making better qu- sound quality out of it. Because like yeah. Chrono Cross is the first game I remember where you can actually hear the people playing the instruments breathe. Yes. And, like that, that is such a cool thing that yeah. like if you lose that, then it's not the same game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a gorgeous soundtrack. If you've never heard that soundtrack, go go track it down. It's very good. Um, all right, the, the I would say maybe the most memed thing that we saw at the Nintendo Direct is of course the new Kirby and the Forgotten Land trailer. Um, do you want to uh, explain mouthful mode to uh, our listeners? Yeah, so they introduce a thing, <laughs> which is essentially like in function Mario's Mario Odyssey throwing his cap onto like <laughs> things that are not creatures and like using them as I like he'll throw his cap onto a taxi and drive around as a taxi, right? That sure. kind of thing. But the, in practice, for Kirby, he tries to eat a thing and doesn't quite make it, but still kind of c- gets control of it. Yeah. So, in mouthful mode, the first example they use is he almost eats a car. And just drives around going beep, beep, I'm Kirby. Uh, Which is like, I think it's very smart for a, it's smart for an open world game because I think it solves the design problem of, oh, I need to do, you want some cool things to do with the environment, but you don't have that copyability there with you at the time. Yeah. Instead of just going like, oh God, I got to go down to this room and hunt it down and come back and like hope I don't get hit along the way. Like for players who are not as good, Kirby is going, okay, we'll just give you the thing you need here. Yeah. And I think that's the logic behind it. And I think it'll probably, it makes sense for an open world game design. It also made sense for like, if you want to meme a game, which I think Nintendo has found genuine success with, this is a smart way to do it of make Kirby look like he's not able to fully eat a thing. And yeah, it's genuinely, it's a funny thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's product marketing genius. Cause if they, if they come out with like a line of, Oh my God, like pillow covers, phone covers, uh, the I think Taiwanese pre-order is a backpack cover of Kirby. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the, the opportunities here are endless. It's a very very small but very smart thing to to make Kirby do now, uh, which is very very funny. Um, yeah, that game comes out soon. That's like the end of March. Uh, March yeah, that 25th. is very. It's their big Q one game essentially. Yeah. And it looks cool. Like I, I, I've never actually been the biggest Kirby fan. I played the games on Game Boy actually and liked those, but I really haven't played a Kirby game since, to be honest. And and I, I keep watching this, and I'm like, ah, this is pretty delightful. I think I'll probably give this a shot. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I, mean, I crow about this a lot, but Planet Robobot. It starts slow, but it ends up becoming one of my favorite games on 3DS. Like oh, that's the, cool. Essentially, it is Grim Lagan by the end of that that game. Ooh. And I like that's the Kirby the Kirby cycle of oh, this is real baby times in the beginning. Then by the time you get to the end, you're basically fighting God. So I'm very curious, like where this this game that starts with you're on an abandoned post human civilization, where does that end? Yeah, where, how far does that go? Mm-hmm. Um, one announcement that I thought was cool and, uh, definitely I'm into because I am a sports fan, uh, is MLB the show 22 is 
coming to Switch, and Shohei Otani is on the cover. I think this game is going to sell like fucking hotcakes. Yeah. Like, uh, they, they were supposed to put this game on Switch last year. Or yeah. They implied. Because, like, when MLB made the announcement of the game going multiplayer, or multi platform, uh, Nintendo also, like, they tweeted a baseball or something. Like, something very non committal. And the game just didn't come out on Switch. Uh-huh. So, this year they did put them on there. Or they did put the game on there. They put Shohei Otani who is very popular in Japan yes uh as the cover care or cover player for cover the game player. yeah uh which makes me think they're trying to make an effort this year to put this game out in Japan yeah. and get a lot of sales from it like they're still putting out the English version so maybe like not that much of an effort but like more than usual when it's usually statistically insignificant so oh, sure. I think yeah they they know the Switch is going to sell games, even if this game doesn't necessarily look great. Like it looks fine. It just looks like it has no anti-aliasing whatsoever. Yeah. But I, I think they know that a healthy portion of sales will probably come from this. Yeah. Yeah. If you uh if you've ever picked up an NBA 2K game on Switch, um it runs perfectly fine. It just runs at 30 frames per second, not 60. And yeah, like Imran said, there's basically no anti-aliasing, so everybody everything looks uh, pretty fuzzy, but uh, but it still looks great. Um, you know, in terms of you know having a handheld baseball game, Shohei Otani was uh, last year's, I think, almost unanimous uh, MLB MVP. So it's like, yeah, this just feels like striking while the iron's hot uh, for a bunch of reasons. So that's yeah. that's going to be interesting to see. I, I will say, as someone that didn't uh, does not know anything about baseball, and I had to research what this joke was like why do they have two Shohei Otani's like what was that it's like oh apparently he's just a very good pitcher and a very good hitter yeah so like people who play base or watch baseball know that joke everyone yes. else is completely lost on that's uh, totally true uh if you uh so uh a really good series over at secret base uh friends of ours you know Kofi Yeboa over at secret base uh he does fumble dimension which is basically him messing with sports games like he made he made every single NBA player be like f- the shortest you could possibly be over like a span of time. And so like basically no one was good at basketball anymore. Uh, He recently (laughs) did a series where he put all Shohei Otani's on a team to see if it would win the world series uh, in a simulation. So that was, Mm. that's yeah, because that's the joke. He could basically play anything. Anyway, that was a long way to say, yes, he's a very good baseball player that does both of those things. Uh, But yeah, Uh, let's keep it in sports for one second because we got the, Announcement of Nintendo Switch Sports, a follow-up to the Wii Sports uh, games, which uh, I don't think I've ever seen Nikki as happy as they were on the stream when this was announced. Uh, but I was also very excited about this. Um, what can you tell me about the return of this game? So this is Wii Sports is one of the best-selling games of all time, and I know people are going to say that's partly because it was bundled, but and that's true, but also that's how we count game sales, so... If you want to change that, change how we count game sales. But Wii Sports is one of the best-selling games of all time, so it makes sense yes. with a game, a system that has now surpassed the Wii in install base to go, okay, what if we just bring Wii Sports back? And they, they're doing that, like, they didn't say this is the Wii Sports team. To me, it looks like it's developed by Bandai Namco because the characters look very similar to Go Vacation, uh-huh. a game yeah. they've already they've made before. Uh, so I suspect they're making it, but they are... Starting with the Wii Sports, you know, the classic games, tennis, bowling, uh, and Wii Sports Resort had Kendo, which apparently they now call Chimbara. Uh, wow, I didn't realize that. 
us, but they they're also adding like soccer, badminton, and volleyball to this one, and like soccer uses the ring fit strap as well. Very so cool. So I it, it looks very cool. I I'm a little concerned about the fidelity of the Joy-Con in terms of like, uh-huh. but also like Wii Sports didn't really use fidelity that much. It went like, oh, yeah. you swung the Wii remote. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So, but I I suspect this game will sell very well for them. Yeah, I'm gonna miss Mies. I'm gonna miss Mies in this yeah, game. Yeah, the the new Bandai Namco things look weird. They don't look good. They look they look bad. But they look like I, somebody went like they used that Yasify filter on a. On oh a my god! Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, all right, one of the uh, there there are two really big surprise announcements. I feel like, and let's go through. Let's go through both of them. Uh, Klonoa is back in a uh, Klonoa one and two collection. Yeah, they, so they've been like hinting at this for a while, uh, where uh, they've had a trademark of Klonoa Encore, which I think like Bandai Namco has a an Encore series for you know games that are revitalizing on Switch, uh, but. Apparently they they've gone fantasy every series with the actual name, but there was a Klonoa remake, which everyone just thought it was going to be that, but it appears to be Klonoa one and two remade ish, not the Wii port. Uh, I've seen some people express some like consternation about the way these two games look, especially because like Klonoa two was, uh, it was intended to be a darker game, both in terms of like story and color, and they yeah. saturated the hell out of that. So I'm I'm curious how people are going to feel about it when it actually comes out. But also the main thing is, hey, they're releasing a new Klonoa game in 2022. At least they remember that series exists, and at least like modern audiences can play it. Yeah, yeah. No, these these games are very beloved, and I never really played them, but they they're very cute. So I want to check them out. Um, and then I I don't know. I think this was the, I think the shock for for everyone. Uh, Live alive, an SNES JRPG from uh, Square uh, from Square is making its way to switch with basically a remake. Have you ever played Life Alive, John? No, I have not. <laughs> I, I played a, a badly translated ROM, I want to say like easily 22 years ago. Uh, it's it's real interesting. So the yeah. central conceit of that game is you were given like eight origin stories. I don't remember exactly how many, but like let's say eight origin stories and you can just pick and go through them as you need, like, as you feel like it. So, like, there's a cowboy, there's a martial artist that's trying to become the best, and eventually he, like, goes to a wrestling match and tries to beat who Max Morgan, who is essentially just Hulk Hogan. Uh, there's, yeah. like, a robot in space. And all these all these uh, origin stories eventually connect in some way. And I think that is the very cool part of it. Because, like, that's the thing Octopath Traveler was, like, trying to do, but they didn't connect them well. And I, this game, like says, okay, yeah, but we're just going to connect them and it doesn't matter how it makes sense. And I think it's a... At the time on the SNES, it was a very interesting game in that you change styles for every origin point. Like the the Ninja in ancient Japan was a stealth section, which could be very frustrating, and I wonder if they're going to really smooth that out. But it was, very, it was a very... Oh, this came from an RPG company. I want to say it was Annex, but maybe it was Square. Uh, but I thought it was Square. It might be just square, and I'm just, I'm just confused. But yeah, it's it was so weird, and I can see why they didn't bother bringing it out of Japan because it yeah. was it was just like a not a JRPG really. It was just a confusing mishmash of different types of games. I 
I really like the way it looks now, and I know you hate HD2D, but I think that it fits this game really well, especially with like because it gives it a cohesive art style. Which is a, it does, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether it's a good art style overall, well, you know, eye of the beholder. But I think it looks a lot more cohesive, which I think fits this game better. I am, I am the world's leading uh, HD2D skeptic. That is true. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think the style looks. It doesn't look good to my eyes. Um, and in fact, I've played about three hours of Triangle Strategy, which has a demo uh, that was also announced, uh, and it's available now. You can actually play it up to chapter three. You can transfer your save data to the full game when it comes out. You don't even have to pre-order the game to play the demo and all that stuff. Um, have you played that yet? Uh, no, I haven't gotten the chance to do the full demo. I did the, the original demo last year. The yeah. full demo. So somebody told me, "Hey, this ge- this demo is pretty good, but it is ninety percent talking and ten percent fighting." It's a lot of talking. I've got I've, like, I've played this thing for several hours and I've only had two battles, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will. That sounds interesting, and I probably like if it's well written. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll play that. But I don't have time for that right this second, so I, I haven't gotten the chance to play it. If it's well written, that's the thing. It's mm. I don't know. I'm I am. Yeah, you should play it. You should play it. I, I think yeah. the 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 actual overall vibe of this game it does remind me a little bit of Final Fantasy Tactics. It reminds me of Sweet Code N a little bit, which is like th- those are all good things. Um, but you know what? You can right now, listener at home, you can go play it. You can see for yourself. I've been enjoying it, but it's too much talking. Wait, yeah, much. yeah. I that always feels like the problem with these, like like Octopath with a was a revival of like those old school Final Fantasy style games. Break right. the default was like a even more specific revival of those games. And they, they like miss the point a little bit here and there. Yeah. And I think like they miss it in just the right places that makes it so like ugh, you didn't you didn't quite get there. Like there's ways to emulate Final Fantasy tactics that are not exactly like emphasizing the story so much that it yeah. becomes overbearing. Yeah. And again, I have not played the demo. So like I I I could be just talking on my ass here. But yeah. I, I'm hoping for the best, but kind of fearing mediocre. It's good tactics shit. Like I'm not a tactics pervert, but it's, it's good. Um, it's fun. I just, yeah, the, yeah, the talky talky. It's uh, it's a little much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Two more things. Uh, we got an update to um, the Nintendo switch online ser- service with earthbound and earthbound beginnings. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was pretty big too. Yeah, Itoi had been tweeting that day about the Direct and was also tweeting a lot about Snow. So everyone thought, what, is he is he going to reveal a game about Snow? Is that what he's doing? It <laughs> turns out it was just snowing and like Itoi yeah. was just tweeting about it. Like It's just the he, weather, he, he man. Have, yeah, he did have th- something at the Direct. He, he had Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings, two games yeah. he worked on. I don't think, because people thought, oh, a new Earthbound is coming, which maybe someday it does. I, do, I think Itoi is just done with video games. I don't think he's coming back, especially yeah. with... Awada having passed away, but like this was, it's very nice for Earthbound fans. I've played the game already. I'm I'm good. I probably don't want and you. No one probably needs to play Earthbound Beginnings. Like it's uh-huh. a good. It's a good historical artifact. Mm, not a great video not, game. Not a great video game. Yeah, play Earthbound though. Earthbound's good. Uh, it's these are the first games for the SNES and NES on Nintendo Switch Online since last August. So yeah. Yeah, they yeah. they they've added the N sixty four stuff and some Genesis stuff and all that. But yeah, I was I was shocked when I opened the service and I was like, "Oh, Earthbound's the only one I've missed, huh?" 
Yeah. Like I opened it, I opened it up and like it does that thing where it pops up each each cover of like new games. Yeah. And then Earthbound was the only thing. I was like, oh. Okay. 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 Um, A lot of people thought Mother 3 was coming. I'll say that. When we were watching, when I was watching it live, I really felt like they were trying to get to that point, deliberately baiting us a little bit, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. I might might tweet this from the fanbite account because it seems like a lot of people don't know, but like about seven, eight years ago when Earthbound came out on Wii U, uh, Nintendo uploaded the entire player's guide, which is the thing that came with Uh the game originally. In like fairly good high res scans, in a way that actually looked really nice on the Wii U web browser. So like, people should go find that because wow. or I'll just tweet it out at some point. But it's really good, and if you're gonna play Earthbound, go use that thing. That's the way it's meant to be done. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, and I think the last thing we'll talk about from the direct was uh, <laughs> there were rumors swirling for the past few weeks about maybe Mario Kart nine, maybe another Mario Kart follow-up, but we got an announcement for Mario Kart eight deluxe DLC and yeah. it's, it's 48 fucking tracks. So I think this is actually one of the most brilliant things they've done in a long time. Sure. And from like a business perspective, it, they are. So this is 48 tracks, $25 or free with the Nintendo expansion pass. You know that I, I don't like the expansion pass. I think it is a sure. kind of a ripoff and not it's worth a, the money. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah. This I think makes it worth it. Yeah. This is a thing that like one 40 million switch owners own this game. More people own this game. Mario Kart eight deluxe specifically than live in Canada. Like there are, <laughs> there are so many people that own this game that it makes so much sense to go, we're not going to do Mario Kart 9. That's insane. Yeah. Why don't we just put DLC out on here, but put the DLC out in a way that, one, last two years, which is a thing that like they found immense success with with Smash Brothers, and two, like keeps people subscribed to their profit-only service. Right. That like will like expand it out. Because if you do unsubscribe to this, like PS Plus, like Games with Gold, you lose the games. Yep. So, like, in this case, you'd lose the DLC. So it makes sense that people who are constantly coming back to Mario Kart, which does seem to be a large number of people, uh, will stay subscribed to this. And I think that's, like, it changes the narrative and also gives them money, which is, like, company 101, what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a is a good game and and I'm happy to have it. It's one of those games that I never play you know by myself. Like I never I never want I never go I want to play Mario Kart, but when it is though, it is the thing that if you have guests, if you have family, if you have like randos that come and come to your house and like they're there for a long time and they're staying with you or whatever. Mario Kart is the like the it's the universal binder and is the thing that I think everybody says yes to. Do you want to play Mario Kart? Yes. And now there are 48 more courses between now and the end of 2023, which means I'll more likely uh, suggest that I play this with other people. Um, so it's very smart. I mean, this yeah. is it's it's one of the biggest games. Uh, w- w- you know, you've you've written about it on the site. One of the biggest games in Nintendo's history, and they're basically just trying to make it bigger, which is yeah. cool. I they're also like none of these tracks are new. They're all remastered. Remastered is a weird term with this one. They're remaking them like as three D tracks into the game, and right. like I think that's that is smart because one, it's it's good nostalgia bait. Two. They're saving everything original. You mentioned Mario Kart 9. Like, Mario Kart 10 is the next game, but, like... Right. They're they're 
saving all the original stuff for that game. They're not throwing it out as DLC. So I think like when Mario Kart 10 does come, like they will have those original tracks ready. Be like, okay, yeah, these are new original tracks. Plus they are now they now have a backlog of yes. old tracks that they can just easily port over. They don't have to yeah. remake them for that game. They have like the Mario Kart 8 versions that they can put whatever Mario Kart 9's gimmick is, or Mario Kart 10, sorry, gimmick yeah. is on that. Uh, I found it very funny when they did show, like they said the words, uh, tracks from previous Mario Kart games and they showed Mario Kart tour on there, which one does certify that game is Mario Kart nine Two yeah. came out after Mario Kart eight deluxe. So not a previous Mario Kart game. It's very funny. Just the way they phrase that. It is very funny. It is very funny. Um, this direct was uh, kind of wild. Uh, yeah. there, was, there was a lot going on in it and uh, some big announcements that I really didn't expect. If you want to see the full list, we definitely skipped some stuff over. Uh, but Imran writes really, really good recaps of Nintendo Directs every single time they happen. Uh, and you can find his over at fanbyte.com. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Thanks, Paul. Um, before I let you go, you also broke some news this week about uh, Resident Evil 4 getting a remake. We kind of knew that that was on the horizon, but you had some details that we we didn't already know. Yeah, I, I spoke to a bunch of sources and like all of my news came from those sources of basically the, how this happened, like who was developing it. Like uh, I think one of the more interesting details is that this game was greenlit by Capcom because Minami convinced them that if we greenlit Resident Evil 4, I'm pretty sure I can get Shinji Mikami to leave Tango Gameworks to come here. And like hey. re- a- apparently he was considering it for a while, but wow. he also thought, oh, Bethesda's just going to shut this my studio down if that happens. Yeah, yeah. Which he's probably right. That's he's probably, probably right. what happened. <laughs> uh, but like it, the game does seem very interesting. From what I've heard, everyone's very excited about that project. That's like cool. it's, not, I've seen. After I posted this story, I've been watching the discourse about it of people saying a remix. It's basically the discourse of a remix should change versus a remix should stay the same and like just be, you know, better. Right. Uh, I think they, I think most likely, I don't know this from my sources. I'm just kind of speculating. I think most likely they will cut some things from that game, but I think yeah. they will also add some things. I think they're also going to expand some things too. That and it's going to be a different Resident Evil 4 experience, but also Resident Evil 4 is kind of just available everywhere. Oh yeah, it's it's it is maybe next to Skyrim, one of the most available games. Yes. Yeah. I I suspect that even if Resident Evil 4 remake is just a thing people don't want, like it's too different or too whatever. Right. There's so many options to play that original game now from a preservationist standpoint. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. There's no way you're going to avoid the old version of Resident Evil 4. I think yeah. Capcom very much looks forward to the idea of selling two versions of Resident Evil 4 at some point too. Well, which is, I think, I think why it has to be different, right? Like if it's, if it's just the same, but it looks better or has slightly more content or different content, um, then it doesn't make a necessarily compelling argument for its own own existence. But it's like, if it's something more like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I was very skeptical about until I played it and I was like, holy shit, these people are geniuses. I can't believe they did this. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think they've got to change some stuff. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty excited after what, what you, uh, what you wrote. So yeah, they seem to be making it spookier, which again, discourse, but it needed, we'll, it need, it needs that. I think, I think Final Fantasy, I mean, Final Fantasy, I think Resident Evil four <laughs> is one of the least scary games in the series. It yeah. is tense, but that is not the same as scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it needs it's some not gonna spookums. Be the, it won't be the same Resident Evil four that we played, but like. No, that's fine because I've played that's that okay. game 
a dozen I, yeah, to 20 I've, times at this point. I've played that game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready, ready for something different um, for sure. Uh, Imran, thank you for unpacking all this uh, Nintendo Direct stuff. And of course, uh, talking to us about Resident Evil 4. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Imran for hanging out and discussing those big, big stories. Let's do some cleanup because other stuff happened this week, including the uh, revival of Telltale Games. Of course, that is uh, kind of old news about the studio that did all those cool episodic point and click games going under, then becoming kind of a new studio with some dubious underpinnings. But let's move on from that. Maybe the more important thing is that The Wolf Among Us 2 is the first game under the new Telltale banner. Uh, that original series came out in 2013 to some acclaim. And the sequel, which will also be episodic, which is kind of surprising considering the current climate of games, will be out for PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. Uh, no release date yet on this, but uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting for folks who like Fable, the comic series. The Wolf Among Us was a cool game based on that franchise. Now The Wolf Among Us 2 is coming out. Uh, From Software has announced that they are going to suspend online operations for its Dark Souls games uh, on PC um, for at least until the, after the release of Elden Ring. This is due to an exploit that was found actually quite a long time ago, but has now gained uh, more traction and notoriety. And therefore, From Software finally felt like they needed to uh, address the situation. Uh, you can read about the exploit and some of the uh, uh, security risks associated with the exploit over on fanbyte.com. Andrea Sheeran wrote about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, they didn't really mention this exploit by name, but they said, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to suspend online services for Dark Souls games on PC until after Elden Ring. Elden Ring comes out on February 25th, so you can expect online services to return for those games sometime after that, maybe March or something. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla had a DLC that was so big and expansive, Ubisoft decided to basically turn it into a whole other game uh, that will be out either late 2022 or could be pushed into 2023. Uh, when asked about the game, an Ubisoft representative told Bloomberg uh, the company doesn't comment on rumors or speculation as they do a disservice to our development teams and community. Uh, <laughs> this news isn't super surprising. These Assassin's Creed games have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and more bloated. Uh, so it doesn't really surprise me that they would just turn up DLC into a whole game. Why not? And it's going to come out before Assassin's Creed Infinite. So that'll be an interesting stopgap between those two properties. Uh, Microsoft had to weigh in on some of its uh, acquisition details for Activision Blizzard uh, in, in anticipation of uh, the federal government looking at the acquisition, of course, because uh, they will have more or less final say of this acquisition and whether it goes through. They released a blog statement that said, quote, to be clear, Microsoft will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any existing agreement with Activision. And we have committed 
admitted to Sony that we will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games that they love. We are also interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. We believe this is the right thing for the industry, for gamers, and for our business. This is interesting. So, other uh, they, they there's some wiggle room here about exclusivity when they say other popular Activision titles. Um, leave some room for some things to be exclusive and some things to not. It also doesn't necessarily specify which Call of Duty games will be uh, available everywhere. They could still split hairs there. Uh, the other thing that some people have talked about, and I've, I've definitely been thinking about a lot the past couple of weeks, is exclusivity by math. And what I mean by that is... Microsoft could easily make all these games, even Bethesda games that they've now said will probably be exclusive to the Microsoft platform. They could make all these games available everywhere. But with Game Pass, what it what that that allows them to do is say, hey, yes, you can get it anywhere. Folks that only have a PlayStation can still play Call of Duty games or even Bethesda games if they decide to, to, to walk back on that idea. Um but they could also just say, hey, Game Pass, this is available day one at no additional charge. And if you want to get it on Switch or uh, or Sony PlayStation, that's going to be $70, $60, whatever on day one. So it's kind of this like exclusivity by math. What are you actually going to do? Are you actually going to not buy an Xbox at some point, even after you have, what, six, seven, eight games that you're trying to get on PlayStation uh, that you're wanting to get on PlayStation, but you know, does it really make cost sense not to buy an Xbox? Does it make cost sense not to just get Xbox game pass ultimate and put it on your PC? I don't know. These are questions that I've had, uh, you know, over the past few weeks thinking about this stuff a lot. And, uh, and I think that's going to be something that they'll leverage. I mean, Microsoft is uh, smart. Uh, I'm not sure this is like, the best move for the industry. And I'm not sure all this consolidation makes me feel good, but from a business standpoint, it does make a lot of sense what they're doing. And, you know, they can, they can basically look non-monopolistic by saying, Hey, this will be everywhere, but still turn around and say, yeah, but you can get it on game pass for free on day one. Finally, uh, Final Fantasy 14 Steam versions will soon have a Square Enix account link. Uh, for those who don't know, you can play this game through the Square Enix infrastructure uh, online, or you can play it through Steam. But on Steam, you're basically doing a weird thing where you're logging in with your Steam account, you're opening a client, you're still logging in with your Square ID. Uh, but presumably linking those two things would make the uh, onboarding and uh, going online process a little bit faster, but I actually don't know what's going to happen here. Um, there's no actual clear uh, sense of whether this will be a required link. So you might have to hook up your Square Enix thing to your Steam account to keep playing. We're not sure yet. Um, Square has never been that great at dealing with account stuff. So hopefully this is a change and it is uh, smooth sailing, but this will happen sometime in early March. So you've only got a few weeks left before uh, you will be able to uh, uh, link your Steam Enix account with your Steam account for Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, we will keep obviously an eye on this and you can find all of our wonderful Final Fantasy XIV coverage over at thelinkshell.com. That is Fanbyte's amazing Final Fantasy XIV subsite uh, it's right there. If you go to the website, it's in the top right corner. There's a little Final Fantasy 14 logo, but you could also just uh, type in the linkshell.com. We have a cool model viewer, so you can go in and dress up your little Lollafell in cool armor and stuff. You can do you know, test out your glamours. 
It's a very cool way to do that. And uh, if there are any bugs with it, let us know over on our Discord, fanbyte.casa. Uh, otherwise, please go check it out. It is a lot of fun. Uh, let's uh, let's get you ready for next week. Okay, folks, we're we're almost halfway through February. We were almost halfway through the deluge of video games. Uh, I hope I hope your wallets have survived. I'm hanging on by a thread. I still got to play Ollie Ollie World and Dying Light Two. I'm still playing Sifu. I got to check out Lost Ark because I just judging by traffic on the site for our guides a lot of y'all are playing that game and it looks pretty cool so i want to check that out there's some big releases coming out this week and uh let's go through them uh dynasty warriors 9 empires is a strategy game for playstation 5 playstation 4 xbox series x and s xbox one switch stadia and pc uh that's on february 15th Assassin's Creed, the Ezio Collection. That is, of course, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. Uh, those three games are among the best of the entire series. So if you've never checked them out, they're out on Nintendo Switch on February 17th. Uh, that's a good collection. Uh, I hope that game runs well. Um, I hope those games run well, I should say. They should, right? I mean, they're they're pretty old at this point. Um but they're they're good for real. Those are good games. Uh, and you know what? They're big and they're long, but they don't quite have that scope creep that the new ones do. Those new ones go uh, go ham with bloat IMO. Anyway, that's a good one. Ezio. And you can say Ezio like that. Anyway. Uh, King of Fighters 15, uh, long-awaited game coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. No Xbox One. Uh, that's on February 17th. Total War Warhammer 3 comes to PC on February 17th. And then the big one this week, Horizon Forbidden West, PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 on February 18th. That game looks absolutely gorgeous, especially on a PlayStation 5, but it also looks pretty damn good on a PlayStation 4. Uh, this game is great. We're going to have a lot of coverage this week um, uh, for this game. Guides, review, uh, probably a review podcast. Uh, it is the successor, of course, to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that was, unfortunately for me and many other players, overshadowed by Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which came out, I think, the same week. Um, once I started playing Breath of the Wild, I just never really went back to Horizon Zero Dawn, but that game is really, really good. You should give it a chance. And then uh, Horizon Forbidden West continues that trend. Uh, yeah, can't say anything else about it, but we will we'll have some reviews. I mean, we'll have a review and uh, some guides and, and other coverage. So be on the lookout for that. Um, the week after this one is the big one. I'll just go ahead and just remind you about two games that are coming out. Uh, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, and of course, Elden Ring at the end of the month on the 25th. Uh, those two are the big games coming out next week. If you uh, are into Destiny, I have to, you may not know this about us. We are a Destiny website. Um, in terms of our traffic makeup, we are a Destiny website. 
uh, people come to us for a ton of Destiny coverage, be it uh, features, be it guides, whatever. If you're into Destiny 2, we really are the place to check out. Um, and I'm super happy about that. I love that we have a passion team about Destiny. So the Witch Queen looks really cool. I've totally bounced off of Destiny 2 a long time ago. Uh, every single time there's a big expansion, I kind of think about jumping back in. And I might, because uh, this one looks pretty damn cool. Uh, but yeah, that's what's coming out this week. Don't forget, Horizon Forbidden West, that's a big one. But of course, a bunch of y'all are excited about King of Fighters 15, which you should be. And of course, the Ezio Collection on Assassin's Creed of Assassin's Creed on Switch. That's actually something I'll probably pick up because I'm, you know, yeah, why not? We'll play, play a little historical action game in bed. Why not? <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest Imran Khan for stopping by, talking about how he was right about Xenoblade 3 and about all of those huge Nintendo Direct announcements. You can find him, of course, over on our website, fanfight.com, but also on Twitter at ImranZOMG. Imran, oh my God. Uh, thanks, Imran. Uh, you can also find my producer, Paul Tamayo, over at Polymayo. And of course, you can find all of his podcasts that he does right here on the Fanbyte Network at podcastnet.work. You can find me at Floppy Adult on Twitter. Uh, sometimes I write for the site. I do have a weekly stream every Tuesday morning. It's called Tuesday Morning on the Show. It starts at 9.30 Central Time. I don't know why I gave you Central Time. I guess it's just because it's mine. That's 7.30 Pacific. That's 10.30 Eastern. Uh, it's over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Uh, it's kind of a companion piece to this show. It's a little chill. We sometimes talk about news. We sometimes talk about cooking. When, well, when I say sometimes, I mean, I think every week we talk about cooking because I love food. Uh, and yeah, it's a fun time. So if you haven't checked it out, you should swing by. Uh, but until next week, you're welcome. You're welcome.